Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's the end of 2023, and markets are finishing up the year on a strong note. But now it's time to take a look at 2024 and what the future holds for stocks. Today, we're bringing on four of our big dogs to share with us their forecast for the new year. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Games. All right, first up, Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director at Clearstead Advisors in New York. Jim, always great to have you on the Gains podcast. Thank you so much. All right, well, we're recapping a strong market, especially at the end of the year here, looking forward to 2024. Uh, let's just start with, uh, you know, where we've been in that this just recent strong period at the end of the year and take a look at where we're going. Let's start with, you know, where we've been, where we're at right now, Jim. Yeah, uh, we, we really had some uh, very good tailwinds. Most importantly, uh, a changed perception as to the future course of action by the Fed. Uh, it seems that inflation for now is uh, decelerating at a better than expected pace, which has uh, uh, increased the, the chances and number of interest rate cuts uh, for next year. And that's a tailwind for the markets. Uh, at the same time, it looks like uh, GDP grew at about 2 percent uh, in the fourth quarter, which should allow for a, a good uh, corporate profit reporting. Uh, when we get into that season uh, in January. So the fact that you have decelerating inflation, stable and declining, anticipated declining interest rates and growing profits explains the strength that we've had in the markets over the last several weeks. And then as we're heading into the new year, I, I guess the first question here is what could derail this party? Um, what, what's the, the number one risk here? Let's start there. Yeah, I would say the, the number one risk is Congress in January. Uh, that they, they have a lot of issues to solve in terms of the budget and keeping the, um, uh, the government open, uh, in, in addition to, obviously, the several uh, foreign policy issues, which the market uh, won't ignore. So can Congress function uh, efficiently? Uh, and then, of course, we're going to get earnings season, and the expectation is that uh, profits w- would be up between 2 and 4% for the fourth quarter, so we'll get a reality check on that as we work our way through the latter part of January. Markets seem to have baked in a couple rate cuts from the Fed next year. Uh, how realistic do you think that is? And um, and then again, what? how do you see then stocks moving forward? 
Yeah, well, the, the, the question is, you know, how many times, when is the Fed going to cut? How many times are they going to cut and why are they cutting? Uh, so the Fed has penciled in uh, three cuts. The market has jumped very much ahead of them and gone to about uh, six cuts. And uh, if you get to six, the question is, is it because of rapidly decelerating inflation or a sudden weakness in the economy? So uh, historically, I mean, during the course of 2023 until recently, uh, the markets have, have gone to where the Fed was. Uh, except for this last um, uh, this last pivot where the Fed has gone and met the market. So the question is, is the Fed right on three? Is the market right on six? And if the market is right on six, why are there going to be six? Because of uh, decelerating inflation or weakness in economic activity. Yeah, that's my big question is, I you know, be careful what you hope for. Um, it's nice that we've had some more normalized rates at a little bit higher levels. The Fed now has some tools again in the toolbox if we did see a major downturn. So, I mean, what's this anxiousness of cutting rates? I mean, the markets are doing fairly well right now, and it seems like the economy is kind of close to a soft landing. So what's this about face, and why does Wall Street uh, applaud this? And and like you spoke to, six. I mean, if you cut the you know rates six times next year, that's telling me we got a problem. Well, what the market is assuming, and, and the market doesn't necessarily have to be right on this, is that inflation is decelerating at a much more rapid pace than expected and that the Fed has to cut just to keep the current level of tightness so that it doesn't end up over-tightening and forcing us into a recession. So the market is being very optimistic on inflation. And, of course, the risk is that as we work our way through the year, that inflation comes down somewhat more slowly than the market is anticipating, which moderates the expectation as to the number of cuts, which would would then turn into a headwind for the market. So the risk is, does the economy hold up as well as the market's assuming? Does inflation decelerate as much as the market's assuming? And all I can say is stay tuned and we will get our first reality check as as, uh, corporations report fourth quarter profits and give first quarter outlook. What's your read? What's your forecast? And how are you playing it? I've, I would tend to be baseline here and, and go with the Fed and, and say that uh, we're going to make some progress, but it's not going to be an immaculate uh, uh, conception in terms of a new inflation uh, uh, environment. And that it'll still be it'll, the economy and inflation and, and profits will sp- still be good enough for the markets to make progress next year. But there may be a period of, uh, of disappointment as the market uh, reacts to maybe only three cuts instead of six. And then I'm asking all our guests, what's the big idea? What's your, you know, with in 2024, you know, 2023 was the year of AI. There were other, some other really big trends that went on. What's your big theme next year? What are you homing in on? Yeah, not 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 to be boring, but I've got to I've got to tell you that technology and AI are going to drive this economy for the next several years. And and while you hope and wish that the market is more egalitarian in 2024 than in 2023, as it has been for the last six weeks, I still think that the uh, the best absolute strength will be in the technology companies that have powerful moats around their business models. And what kind of time frame are you looking? At, you know, when you're making those trades into that space. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for the entirety of 2024 
with a reality check, you know, every couple of weeks as you as you work our way through the year. Big thanks to Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director, Clearstead Advisors in New York. All right, it's time to take a contrarian look at stocks. So let's bring on Mark Holbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com in Washington, D.C. Mark, always great to have you on the Gains Podcast. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And as we've been talking and all know, it's especially at the end of the year here, uh, a ton of points added to markets. Two things here. What things are going to look like going in 2024? And then the fact that you're a contrarian, and we'll get to that in a second. But uh, first of all, let's start with you. You know, where we've been, where we're going, you know, finishing off a pretty strong uh, finish here at the end of the year as we head into 2024. Yeah, it has been a strong year. And uh, you mentioned my contrarian predisposition. And indeed, that's how I would explain how the year has been so far. We started out the year, as we may recall, if we can wind back the clocks by 12 months, there was a lot of skepticism. There'd been a strong rally that began in October of 2022. And as we started the new year, people were saying, oh, that's just a dead cat bounce after the real big decline in the first part of last year. No one really thought that it would keep going. And no one really expected that by the end of the year, we would be seeing new all-time highs in the average. And indeed, though, that is exactly what we've seen. And so I I think it really is a contrarian lesson that uh, what we, uh, we, we tend to always chase yesterday's returns. If the market's up, we buy more. If the market's down, we sell more. And the market ends up not accommodating that kind of belief. And then as we're heading into 2024, things look pretty solid. Uh, People are expecting, uh, the Fed maybe to have a couple cuts. Uh, the 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 markets had a bit of a tailwind. From you know, you mentioned that you are a contrarian when others zig, contrarian zag, and so forth. What's the contrarian view right now? Well, I think the contrarian view right now is just the opposite of what it was a year ago. Right then, the a year ago, the re, the contrarian review was that the market could easily end up being stronger than people were expecting. I think it's just the reverse now. There is so much optimism out there. In fact, our measurements of uh, sentiment among market timers, we track nearly 100 market timing services. And right now, they're more bullish than almost any other time since 2000, which is when we first began collecting the data. So right now, if you can think of it, I guess, in terms of sideline cash, if there's money in an equity portfolio that's been put on the sideline to be put to work later, most of that money has now been put to work. So there's hardly any additional sideline cash out there that could be used to propel the market any higher. And that that's one of the underlying rationales, by the way, for contrarian analysis, that uh, when there's a lot of skepticism, there's a lot of money on the sidelines. And when there's a lot of optimism, there's not a lot of that additional fuel that's there to propel the market higher. And that's what we're seeing right now. I'd say almost all the money that's going to be drawn into the market has been drawn in. And, and as you mentioned, for a contrarian, that over-optimism is a big warning sign. So how, how do you read that? How's that square right now? Well, I think what, we'll, the, the, what that means is that the surprises are more likely to be on the downside than the upside. We, another way of thinking about it is that we're already discounting into current prices a lot of good news. You mentioned in the intro that there were, you know, we're already expecting several rate cuts from the Fed. 
let's say that the uh, the inflation news turns out in the you know January February March report turns out to be not as good as we're now expecting. I think the Fed's going to say, well, whoops, we can't continue to cut, and in fact may actually uh, start increasing rates again. That's entirely possible, and that isn't to say it's likely. But when you already are expecting all the good news then more likely than not, the surprises will be bad news rather than good news because you're already expecting the good news and have adjusted prices accordingly. Now, contrarians you know, often take the other side of what everybody else is doing. They're not always right, obviously. Uh, kind of how accurate is the contrarian um, mindset when you are investing, you know, as we're looking, you know, heading into a new year? Well, that's a great question. And there are a number of different ways of measuring that. The way I like to think about it is that most of the time, contrarian analysis isn't going to help you because most of the time we're sort of in the middle of the range. You have some optimists and some pessimists and so forth. And the contrarian analysis and looking at sentiment data in general does not p- provide you a very clear, clear signal. When contrarian analysis is particularly helpful, at least in my work, is when you have extremes, when you have huge amounts of optimism with very little pessimism, and that's what we're seeing now, or at the other end of the extreme when there's a heck of a lot of pessimism but very little optimism. One way of thinking about that is you go back to the low of the markets, the bear market loss in, 19, in 2022, the low, it was in mid-October, and there you had like, I don't know, 25 or 30 trading sessions in a row in which the market timers were almost unanimously bearish. And that's a lot of extreme pessimism. And of course, not surprisingly, that ended up being the bottom of the market. We're not quite seeing that the symmetrical opposite of that right now, but we're getting close. We're seeing a number of days now in which the, uh, the, the market timers are more bullish than at almost any other time since 2000. And that rarely ends up leading to additional prices at a significant level. And then the the one other thing I wanted to talk to you about, you know, the Santa Claus, the so-called Santa Claus rally is now underway. A lot of people don't realize it starts right around Christmas. It started for us this year on Friday. Um, do, what Explain that. Is there any value there? I've heard it's kind of a bunch of nonsense. It's a, There is a, a statistic that, you know, if it does well, stocks move higher. But then I, I've heard, you know, both sides to that. I mean, obviously, we're off to a good start now. Friday was a good indicator. Um, but uh, yeah, thoughts on that so-called Santa Claus rally. Right. Well, first thing is just to define our terms. I mean, there are a lot of people refer to something called a Santa Claus rally, and most of what they're referring to is, as you say, just a bunch of hooey. But it turns out that there is one seasonal pattern that goes by the name Santa Claus rally that does have strong statistical support. And that's the one you mentioned that starts on uh, right around Christmas and goes to the first couple days of January. And I think one of the reasons that it works is that there are very few people in the market during that week between Christmas and New Year's. And so most other seasonal patterns that get discovered almost immediately disappear the moment they're discovered because everyone knows about them and money rushes in to try to profit from it and and thereby kills the goose that glazed the golden egg. We don't have enough uh, of the liquidity in the market during this week in order for those, that pattern that uh, has been discovered for some many years to uh, end up getting dissipated away. And so I'd say that's probably one of the main reasons why it works. Other reasons, there have been a lot of 
artificial selling pressure in the early part of December as people sell their losers in order to capture tax losses to offset their gains and thereby reduce their capital gains bill that would otherwise be due in April of next year. And when people decide, hey, I'm not even going to be in the market between Christmas and New Year's, that artificial selling pressure is uh, is lifted. And so even stocks that aren't that good of a long-term bet, but they'll at least bounce back because all that selling pressure that's been artificially depressing their prices is taken away. And of course, there's a certain bounce back. So there are a number of different factors. But I'd say the main one is that uh, it, it exists because people don't aren't even in the market to try to to uh, to exploit it. Interesting. And then finally, what's your advice for the gains listeners? Some of us are DGENs, and uh, some of us like to be really active in the market. Um, but and then there's others that are a little more conservative. But at, at large here, and this is kind of an active trading audience, what's your advice for the gains listener as we kick off 2024? Well, I, I think what you do is you realistically expect that people are a little of both. And so I'd say put the bulk of your money in index funds and don't touch them. And you have that as your, your permanent portfolio. And then you have another portfolio. You can make it larger or smaller, but I think it should be a minority of your overall assets. And that's your play money. That's your speculative portfolio. You can actively trade it. The, the nice thing about that is that since active trading most likely will not do as well as buy and hold, you're not doing anything that will actually overwhelmingly damage your long-term security, um, but uh, long-term financial security. But uh, And you also have the advantage when you do it that way is you have an ongoing scoreboard to see whether you're doing better or worse over the long term as you would have if you'd simply put your money in index funds and, and did nothing at all. But I think – it's rare to find somebody who never trades. And on the other hand, you don't want somebody who trades all the time and risks their retirement financial security. So be realistic psychologically as well as uh, financially to uh, divide up your money in, in those two camps. And then one other real quickie here, and I just wanted to throw that in there because you mentioned it. You know, there is a big risk of over trading. And just quickly uh, talk about that downside, Mark. Well, the, the, yeah, the way to think about it, the way I like to think about it, at least, is Wall Street pays itself a huge sum every year. Wall Street, if you look at the Federal Reserve's uh, flow of fund study, which they come out quarterly, and you look at what portion of the gross national product of the United States goes to Wall Street, it's huge. And where does that money come from? Well, it's because whenever you trade, they get a little money. And so the more you trade, the more money that Wall Street gets. Wall Street doesn't like to make bets itself. What they do is they, what they'd like to do is make money when you or I bet. And uh, if you think that somehow they're not uh, taking advantage of it, just look at how much money they're making every year. And then that, I think that's one great way of making us uh, have a little more sober reality check about uh, whether our trading is riskless and it doesn't have a cost. It most definitely does have a cost. And we appreciate that sober reality check. Big thanks to Mark Holbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com in Washington. Okay, we got to take a quick break. But hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If that's an option for you, I've been told that's podcast gold. Totally appreciate the solid there. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday. We'll be right back after the break. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. 
Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. All right, up next, he's joined us throughout the year, a Dow Theory expert, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter in Hammond. Check out his website, UpsideStocks.com. Again, that's UpsideStocks.com. Chuck, always great to have you on the Gaines Podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Andy. You and I have talked, you know, did this play-by-play as we've gone throughout the year, talked about the Dow theory and 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 how that all related to uh, stocks. So let's just recap. Beginning of the year, Dow theory is bearish. Pick it up, Chuck. Right. So we had a change in the trend from bearish to bullish, I would say somewhere around mid-year. And then we had, a, a following that bullish move, the market had a really strong move for about three or four weeks, and then promptly had a significant downward move. And that move lasted pretty much from August through October. Uh, it, it kind of yeah made me a little bit nervous, but as it turns out, the, the decline was, it did exactly what they're supposed to do. It's supposed to scare the heck out of investors. And it, in terms of the, the duration of the decline was fitting of a, a, bear, a bull market correction uh, the the magnitude of the decline as well. So we had a we had a typical bull market correction, and then following that correction, beginning November first, uh, we had this very very strong rally that has been carrying through now to to the end of the year. So the the primary trend is still bullish. We had our correction, hopefully that's in the rearview mirror. Uh, the setup for the market is pretty good going into 2024. There's a, a bunch of reasons why. Investors should like stocks. I don't think valuations are excessive. I don't think, um, you know, we're, we're seeing uh, breadth in the market that we hadn't seen for much of the year. There's $6 trillion in money markets on the sidelines that could come in and fuel things. Interest rates, inflation are trending in the right direction. Corporate profits are holding up. So it's a pretty good setup as we go into 2024 here, Andy. I bet or the, the, the best part of the Dow theory, for for me at least, when when we went through it was yes, it was bearish, and then um, you know, like you mentioned, mid year, the whole thing flipped around and turned bullish. 
And then you talked about how markets got a little shaky after making that that move to the the bullish camp. But because we knew the Dow theory was bullish, it really gave us confidence to buy when there was that correction. Uh, And then we saw that move actually be very good because of a ton of points piled on at the end of the year. So kind of now let's talk setup 2024. Obviously, the Dow theory is bullish. It's, um, you know, and I'll actually have you throw in those levels, too. But uh, just, you know, as 2024 uh, or as we head into the new year, what do things look like? And give the gains listeners those key Dow theory levels as well. Well, right now, from the a Dow Theory perspective, the industrials have done their job, and, and that is going through to um, they, they broke above their their uh, July uh, levels. So they are you know doing what they need to do and directionally, and there isn't really an upside level here that's that's going to be formed at some point. The, the one index, though, from a Dow Theory perspective that we're still waiting on a little bit of the Dow Jones transportation average, which are confirming the the move of the industrials directionally, but they're still a little far behind. They need to get above their late July high, which is around the 16,600 level. Uh, we're getting there. And as you know, Andy, you can put points on in a hurry when it comes to the Dow transports. So that would be the next significant level that we want to see happen. That would reconfirm the bull market according to the Dow theory. What we don't want to see is the Dow Jones transportation average fail to close above that, that 16,600 16, level and then retreat and go below its, its uh, late October low, which is around the, the 13,500 level in that, in that vicinity. So, you know, that's what we don't want to see. I, I think you'll see the Dow transports confirm to the upside uh, and, and then reconfirm the bull market. If, in fact, the alternative happens and we do go below that you know that thirteen thousand five hundred level, uh, you know that brings into play then uh, the idea of recession in twenty twenty four. I don't think that's going to happen, but we listen to the markets, and if the market and the Dow transports do go below that level, we'd have to really kind of reconsider things at that point. Well, we look at the charts, and obviously we know where the Dow theory's at. Um, talk about some of the fundamentals and some of that positive. Uh, uh, some of the positive things that people are really looking at as far as heading into the new year. Yeah, well, again, you've got interest rates and inflation trending in the right direction. You've got corporate profits that have been holding up and will probably continue to grow. You you have, uh, as I mentioned, valuations that aren't excessive in, in many cases, and you have improved breadth and, and strong markets have many leader many leaders, and we're seeing that right now. Uh, you've got a lot of firepower on the sidelines in terms of, again, $6 trillion in money markets that can come off the sidelines and go into stocks. Um, and, and investor sentiment, while it is building a little bit on the bullish side, still is not at levels that you generally equate with with market tops. So, you know, I, I look at those things. And, and the biggest, to me, the biggest issue that the market will face in 2024 is this idea of a recession. If we don't have a recession, we're not going to have destruction of corporate profits. And if, as long as we have inflation and, and interest rates trending in the right direction, as you know, Andy, those are the three things, interest rates, inflation, and corporate profits, the dry market in sustained ways. And as long as those things are okay in 2024, the market should be okay as well. Also, I, you know, throughout the year, we've uh, hit you up 
for some picks from the UpsideStocks.com list. Uh, it, you know, Gaines listeners, check that out. There's some cool, uh, maybe stocks that you wouldn't normally hear about on that UpsideStocks.com list. Uh, a couple ideas uh, from the list, uh, Chuck. Yeah, I, I like uh, Tenant Company. TNC is the symbol. It's not in the most sexy industry. They 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 do floor care uh, products and systems for institutions and airports and things like that. It's a it's an industrial company. And and yeah, if the more economy goes into a recession, it's not going to be a good thing. But I don't think that's going to happen. And I still think the stock offers pretty good value. So that's Tenant. Uh, TNC. Uh, and then finally, I think that TravelZoo, TZOO, T-Z-O-O, it, it's an aggressive stock, but it's an interesting stock in a way to play, you know, the growth of travel and, and leisure. So I think those are two interesting. Again, TravelZoo in particular, you need a strong stomach for, but uh, again, if people are looking for stocks that can that do well in the small cap space, I think those are two in 2024. And I guess finally, the 2023 year of AI, that was a big theme. And I'm, I'm, talk, I'm asking our guests today to predict what a big theme type idea or concept or sector going into 2024. What's your big theme? What's your big idea? What's your sector? You know, I think I don't know if it's a big idea, but it's a, it's an idea that's certainly overdue, and and that's the international side of the market. I mean, they, that has trailed miserably U.S. stocks for probably the last 15 years, and I think as breadth in the market broadens uh, and continues to grow, that's going to pick up a lot of the international stocks, which I think are offering pretty good values. So, you know, there are international individual stocks you can play if you're looking for kind of just a broad based way to play the ETF. I think like Vanguard has a number of, of uh, broad international funds. Uh, the VEA exchange traded fund offers an opportunity as well to cover the international space. Well, I got to thank you for all your handholding this year, Chuck. Uh, big thanks to Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the website UpsideStocks.com. All right, let's bring on Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at MacroTides.com out of San Diego. And Jim, as always, special offer for the Gaines listener, do tell. <laughs> do tell will be, if you send me an email, Jim Welsh, W-E-L-S-H, macro, at Gmail, I will send you the January 2024 MacroTides, which will probably be out uh, ideally uh, this coming weekend. And I think I cover a lot of stuff in terms of the first part of next year, Andy. So I think it, it'll be informative and uh, helpful. So uh, pretty strong end to the year for stocks. We've been talking about it. Um, but I guess the big question now is what's next? You always take that both technical and yep. fundamental look at, at the market. Just briefly, briefly, because we've yep. been talking about it, just recap yep. what you saw out of last year and the, the momentum that we're going into 2024. Yeah, well, in late October, my thought was we were going to see Treasury yields decline, uh, and a decline in Treasury yields would lift the equity market. And what we've gotten to after the Fed meeting on December 13th, Andy, 
is with the projection for the funds rate dropping from 5.1 at the September meeting to 4.6 in December, you know, it really is a, a powerful narrative in terms of, hey, we don't have to worry about a recession. Inflation is coming down. The Fed's going to cut rates. And what that means is there's no reason to sell. And I think over the last uh, couple of weeks after the Fed meeting, we've really seen that, uh, you know, in tow where there is no reason to sell. There may be somebody selling one group of stocks to buy another. But the lack of selling pressure makes it really easy for prices to work their way higher. And I expect that's going to continue as we get into the first quarter. Now, where when you look at the charts, how are things looking a little longer? You, we've talked yeah. in the past that it could potentially get a little rougher as we move through 2024, and I, I want you to hit on that as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, near term, um, the initial rally from the October 22 low was about 3,500. The S&P rallied to 4,600 in August. Uh, that was an 1,100-point rally. The low this past October was around 4,100, and if the two legs and rallies are equal, it targets a high around 5,200. So I think that is a distinct possibility. The Russell 2000 could trade up to 2,150. So my expectation, Andy, is that we will continue to see strength in the first part of next year. The economy is going to continue to be okay. Uh, Inflation is going to continue to work its way lower particularly when we get the numbers for January and February. Uh, I think one of the hiccups in the speed bumps could be is Wall Street's expecting the Fed to cut the funds rate in March and five more times uh, throughout 2024. And as much as inflation is coming down, I think economic strength, you know, where the economy continues to grow around 2%, uh, I think that's a speed bump. There are doves who are willing to cut immediately. Then there's a group of hawks that I think want to see more evidence, have more confidence that we are going to see the economy slow to relieve some of the underlying inflationary pressures. So I think one of the speed bumps that could happen uh, as we get into February and March, Andy, is Wall Street having to dial back uh, potentially the March uh, cut in the funds rate but more likely, you know, the idea that we're going to get six rate cuts. So that to me is, you know, what the first quarter looks like it's setting up. And then as far as where the market is technically, you you you, you have we've talked about that warning yep. once you move beyond that kind of roughness in the second half of the year. The last time we spoke, I kind of felt yep. sense that. Yeah, uh, again, my belief is that the tightening that we've seen in terms of financial conditions the clampdown on liquidity and bank lending to small and medium-sized businesses, obviously the huge increase in the funds rate, uh, inverted yield curve, all of those things I think are still on their way. And that as we get deeper into the second quarter and by mid-year, I think we're going to see the economy slow enough to raise concerns about a recession. And that's if indeed that shows up, that's when the market will be more vulnerable to a bigger correction. So in the first quarter, if uh, the rate cuts are dialed back a little bit, you might get a 3 to 5% correction, Andy, in the S&P 500. Obviously, no big deal. The key is everything is built on the idea that we're not going to have a recession uh, in 2024. 
And so that is the major risk, I think, for the equity market. And the other thing is, you know, geopolitical things around the world. You know, the Middle East does not look like it's calming down. It looks like it's continuing to escalate. And that potentially could be in a broader war with more countries being involved and potentially some kind of a spike in oil prices. So there are some unknowns out, known unknowns out there that could also play a role in the first half of next year. And now as far as, but generally speaking, geopolitical issues long term don't move the needle or the needle as much as one would think when it comes to stocks. Well, here's the thing. If a geopolitical uh, event tips the economy into a, a recession, in other words, if we're slowing going into mid-year and then you get a geopolitical event and the economy, the slowdown accelerates, then you're going to get an acceleration in terms of unemployment, consumers cutting back on spending. Um, so it, it really comes down to when you get a geopolitical event, is the trend in the economy strongly upward? It's going to be a temporary shakeout. Uh, but if the economy is slowing, it can provide the shift, uh, the shift, the push, let's say that. Uh, I was trying to say shove, but we'll go with push, uh, you know, that tips the economy over the edge and into a recession. That's where that risk is, I think, in 2024 is, you know, we, we seem to be entering a period of geo instability. And I don't see how that's going to resolve itself. There's no indications that it will. So right now, it just assume the, the pattern looks like it's just going to intensify. Now, does it intensify enough to really create a problem? We won't know until we get closer to that event. So that's where the technical stuff will be helpful, Andy, because right now the technical health of the market is really strong. Market breadth is strong. The number of stocks making new highs. Uh, you know, up and down volume, all those things are strongly bullish. Typically, what's happened uh, is the technical stuff will start to weaken, and that then will indicate that the market would be vulnerable to a, a negative surprise. You know, 2023, and I, I've mentioned this several times, 2023, year of AI, that was a big theme. Um, asking our guests today on the GAINS podcast, What's your big theme? What's the what's what's a big theme or investment idea or something to look out for, whether it's in a sector, stock or industry, yeah. something to look out for is a big theme or story that's going to unfold in 2024. Well, I, I, I like gold. Uh, I've been recommending gold. I think gold can trade up to twenty three hundred uh, next year. Uh, I like uh, Treasury yields. Uh, near term, I mean, I recommended TLT Andy October 23rd. It was trading around 84 and a half. Uh, it's traded up to 99. I think there's a pullback in the first quarter coming in TLT. I still believe that it, by the time we get to mid next year, TLT will be trading somewhere between 105 to 109. So those are the two things I feel most confident of. All right. And then final thoughts as we wrap up the Gaines podcast uh, for. 2023 and, and head into a new year. Final <laughs> well, thoughts for the Gaines listener. Yeah, well, you know, the Grateful Dead had a song. Uh, when life looks like easy street, there's danger at your door. So right now, everything couldn't be more perfect. Uh, and that, I think, is going to continue for a while. 
Uh, and we've seen a big increase in optimism in terms of investors getting more and more bullish. Sometime in the first quarter, Andy, I think we're starting to see the technical underpinnings of the market uh, weaken a touch. And again, I think if I'm right about uh, rate hikes or rate cuts, pardon me, being dialed back, that will lead to a you know the three to five percent correction uh, to kind of dim some of the excessive optimism that has built up. The contrarian in me is a little concerned about how there is almost so much optimism. The setup looks so perfect right now, and in a way that that concerns me in itself. Yeah, I mean it, it's always cause for concern. The one thing I will say is the sentiment typically is early. And that's why one then has to look at uh, momentum, technical momentum in the market in terms of market breadth, uh, uh, you know, how strongly the market starts to move up and all the rest of that stuff. You start to it's like a ball. You throw it up in the air, leaves your hand at 50 miles an hour, even as it slows, you know, 30, 20, it's still gaining altitude. So what I want to see, Andy, as we get into the first quarter is the rate of ascent really start to, to slow. And ultimately what will happen is there'll be a little modest pullback and then another bounce, and the internals on that subsequent bounce will be even weaker. And that's usually the signature uh, that you are really about to see a pullback in the market. So the, the technical underpinnings are strong right now. So even though sentiment is really wildly optimistic, as long as momentum is strong, you have to let it run until the momentum begins to uh, weaken. And we just aren't there yet. Well, thanks for all the advice this past year. Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com in San Diego. All right, that's going to wrap up today's Gains podcast. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We are back next Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you then. And everybody have a happy and prosperous new year. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.